Thanks, Chris. All right. Well, we I said we have a special treat. Um, Tom Meyer is here, and he's he comes about once a year. It's a friend uh, I met through Shasta Bible College friends, and uh, this guy loves the Word of God, and he's going to love presenting that. Uh, so I'm going to welcome up Tom and his wife Sarah and their kids. Well, give him give him a hand. Well, it's great to be back, everybody. And before I get going, do, do you want to say hi and let them know what we're up to? Uh, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm Sarah. I'm Tom's wife. And these are our kiddos. And we live in Reading. And every Sunday of the year, we're in a different church. We love being here with you guys. We had a great time yesterday. We went to the Bunny Flats, and we played till we cried. <laughs> it was wet. It was cold. It was wonderful. And we had a great time. So the kids are going to introduce themselves to you. And Hosanna, our oldest, has something she wants to say. Can you say your name? I'm Hosanna. I'm seven. Okay, what are you going to share with us, Hosanna? I'm going to say John 3.16 from memory. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Thank you. <laughs> okay, and what is your name? Scarlet. And how old are you, Scarlet? Um, Abby. Do you like being on stage? Yes. And, <laughs> and for, and I start at B-B-Y. You love your name, B-B-Y, that's good. Let's say A is for all. A is for all. What's your name? Tommy. <laughs> How old are you? Tommy. <laughs> Two years old. Two years old. <laughs> okay. That's all. Praise the Lord for giving us a boy. <laughs> so I'm done. We're done. We're good. Well, what I'd like to do is the following, is to, number one, um, to speak part of the book of 1 John from memory, and then number two, just paint a picture of what their world was like and how it relates to the world that we live in today, and then three, I want to talk about, and I'm not exaggerating, but I think the most important thing that you can do this upcoming year, spiritually speaking, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifest and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him. And keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected, and hereby we know that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness, even until now. But he that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not where he goeth, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. And I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I have written unto you, little children, because you've known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you've known him that is from the beginning. And I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things of the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it is not of the Father, it is of the world. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that it might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ, he is antichrist, that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. 
and we'll stop there. Amen. All right. Not bad for a church that has Baptist on the sign for the amen. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good amen. Now, what time are we done? 12.30? Okay. I don't want the roast to burn, and I want everyone to get out on time. Okay? So, 1 John, which we just heard, 1 John, which we just heard, according to church tradition, was written by the Apostle John when he was an old man to the church at Ephesus. Now, when you read the Bible and you come across Ephesus, you want to think of it as San Francisco, basically. Port city, political, military, religious, economic, governmental hub for that part of the country. A real cesspool of iniquity. Filthy, disgusting, literally, physically, spiritually. Ephesus, at the time of 1 John, was the home of one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the temple of Artemis or Diana, this nasty, pagan, cult, sex-worship, godless religion that was totally, totally famous and popular. And the church is right in the shadows of this. Now, it's a tough neighborhood to grow up in. And like you, I'm an optimist. Okay, my glass is half full. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore think they of the world, and the world knows them, but we are of God. We are of God. Now are we called the sons of God. Now. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. So we're winning doesn't look like it sometimes, and it doesn't feel like it sometimes, but we're winning. But still, we're the mayor of Realville. We understand that it's a hard knocks world out there. And the people that John's writing to that we just heard, it's the same thing. Same problem, same troubles, same temptation, same devil, nothing's new under the sun. So the question is, what is the key According to 1 John, at least, what is the key to overcome that crazy world that we and our kids and our grandkids live in? And this is the ultimate question, I think it is, at least today. My brother died when he was 37, just recently. Grew up going to church every single Sunday, for better or worse, in our home, it was you live under our roof, you're going to church, whether you like it or not. I don't know if that's right or wrong. I haven't come across that bridge yet. But that was the rule in our house, and you're going. And his behind was in that pew every single Sunday, whether he wanted to be there or not. Now, I don't know what happened. That's between him and God. But all I do know is that slowly but surely, the troubles of this world, the temptations of this world began to overtake him. And he got hooked on stuff he shouldn't get hooked on. He got hooked up with people he shouldn't have got hooked up with. And slowly but surely, you know, we're supposed to be sober and be vigilant. Why should I be sober, spiritually speaking? Why should I be vigilant? Because your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion roaming about, seeking, looking for, hunting whom he may devour. And he devoured my brother. It's like a man-eating lion devoured him. That's what happened. He's gone. Gone. Spiritually, he's gone. Physically, he's gone. The whole thing, he's gone. That's the last thing in the world that we want to happen, not only to ourselves, but to our kids and to our grandkids. How do you prevent that? 
obviously it's not foolproof, 100% you can't, but you can do the best you can with what you got. And he tells us how to do it in 2.14. He says, I have written unto you young men. We'll pause real quick. Let's just say, by application, the people in the pew. I've written unto you, you people in the pew. Why did he write unto them? Because you are strong. In other words, when these people are out in the cesspool city of Ephesus, like a San Francisco where there's filth and vileness around every single corner, what's making these people not get sunk down in that mire? What's making these people shine? What's making the glory of the beauty of the Lord of God shine on these people? What's the difference? The word of, here it is, the word of God, and that doesn't mean Jesus in this instance, like at the beginning of John, where in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It just means the Bible. That's all it means is the Bible. And the Bible, and the word of God abideth in you. Hold that thought. That's the key to unlock the door to success. The word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. That's the key to success. Well, what does that even mean? The word of God abides in you. Thanks for asking. (laughs) Well, as we know, the New Testament was not written in King James English. It was written in the common Greek of the day, so whether you were a pharaoh or a fisherman or anybody in between, you could understand it and maybe read it or write it. Common language of the day. That word for abide right there. First, it means three negatives, then a positive. It means not to sojourn, not to wander, not to tarry, but to make a home in. So my out, I mean in-laws, just visited us from Minnesota for four short weeks. Four short weeks. They're great. They're great. So while they were away from Minnesota visiting us, they were wandering, they were sojourning, they were ter- they were, but when they went back home, then they were abiding. That's what the word means. Okay. Now, all right, got it. Now, look, guys, all it took for me to start memorizing is just one person to inspire me and encourage me to do it. That's it. And it's not like, well, Tom, he's got 20 complete books or whatever it is the Bible memorized. I can't do that. There's a, it's not true. That's not true. I, I have a life, as you just saw. I have four kids under eight years old, okay? So I'm busy, like you're busy. And I know most of you don't have an hour a day, but if you're retired, you do. But I have an hour a day every day for a month, maybe just to like memorize one chapter. It's hard, but all it took was when I was at an, not an emotional, but just kind of an uncertain stage of my life where I was moving from my family business out to the land of fruits and nuts, California. (laughs) And as I was making that car drive from Illinois to California, my pastor said, hey, why don't you memorize the short passage from Matthew chapter six that talks about, you know, not worrying about tomorrow. You know that one? Like, whenever I see a bird now, I can't help but think, consider that bird. It neither sows nor reaps nor gathers into barns, and your heavenly Father feeds that bird. Are you not of more value than that bird? So true. You can't help but think that now. 
And so that really helped me. It gave me peace that God's going to take care of me. And that peace came from his word. And so I wanted more of that. More of the mind of God in my heart. And some of the blessings, the dividends, the benefits that come from it are, well, look, you might say, well, I have four or five copies at home in three different translations. I have it on my phone. You know, I live in a copy-paste, Facebook tweet, file-forget kind of world where I don't have to memorize anything, and it's fantastic. You know, I can't memorize. But that's not true. You can. God wouldn't tell us to hide his word in our heart so we don't sin against him if we couldn't do it. But why should you do it? Keeping aside the fact that we have these really clear biblical commands to do it, you know, like Psalm 119, 9 through 11. How shall a young man cleanse his way? That's what we want. That's why you're here this morning. So God will clean your way. How shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Here it is. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So having the word of God first, having the word of God hidden in your heart, it prevents you from either mentally or physically wandering too far away from God. Because that word will come to your mind, it will arrest your attention, it will bring you back to him. That's the first benefit that comes from doing it. The second benefit is it puts the mind of God within reach. I know it's on your phone and it's always within reach, especially if you're a teenage girl. But still, okay? It's like no matter where you are and no matter what you're doing, no matter where you are and what you're doing, you can set your affection and your mind and your heart on things above and not on things of the earth. And the most vulnerable time for people, I think, is when your head hits the pillow at nighttime. When the day's over and the busyness is done, and oh, it's time to go to sleep. Like, where does your mind go when your head hits the pillow? I don't know if I want to know. <laughs> like, where does it race to or go to? Is it anxious? Is it worrying? It's, is it nervous? Is it happy? You know what I mean? To be able to think upon God's word, right? When you're putting your head to the pillow, right, that is, the, that is a fantastic way to help safeguard your heart and your thinking and your practice. Next, we'll do two more real quick. Another benefit that comes from memorizing is it provides words of comfort, true words of comfort, either for yourself or for others in a time of need. Like, you know, maybe you just need that word from the Lord to be able to get you through what you're going through. Nothing else is seeming to help. (laughs) And that word of God, it can touch you. And it gets you where you need to go. And also with others, to be able to share the word of God with others who are in distress or in trouble. It makes it right there and it's on your lips and you can very confidently and easily share that with someone else. And then fourth and finally of the benefits that come from it, from memorizing, is it provides you with your weapon. It's a war out there. There's people dying ODing, drugs, STDs, AIDS, DUIs, etc., etc. 
It's a sinful, broken, corrupt world. I know. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I know that, but I'm also the mayor of Realville. And it provides you with a weapon. I'm thinking of Ephesians 6, the famous passage in 10 to 17, right? Everything that we are wearing, spiritually speaking, is defensive. Breastplate, defense of righteousness. Shield, defense of faith. Helmet of salvation. Shoes, belt, it's all defense. Except, obviously, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that word for word in the Greek is when the rubber meets the road, that's what counts, is not logos, it is rima. And it means a thing spoken. So he says, take unto you. That is imperative mood. Like this is do or die kind of language. Take unto you. Take unto me what? What's my weapon? The sword of the Spirit, which is the spoken word of God. It's like Jesus, he's in the wilderness. He's tempted by the devil. What does he do? He opens his mouth and he speaks one Bible verse. See, because we're people and we're dust, we always don't act on what we know to be true. Do you believe it's quick? Yes. Powerful? Yes. Sharper than any two-edged sword? Yes. More valuable than rubies? Yes. All the things in the world you can be desired or not to be compared under the word of God. Do you believe that? Yes. Then why don't you memorize it? Why don't you hide it in your heart? You, I could hear God saying, <laughs> you know, it's true. It doesn't solve all the problems, but it helps. It doesn't make you better than anybody else. But what it does is those one, two, three, four things I just listed. Provides you with a weapon. Provides you with words, true words of comfort. And two other ones I forgot. Okay. <laughs> then how do you do it? How do you do it? Thanks for asking. We've got about 10 minutes left. There isn't one way for everybody, as you can probably guess, but I had the opportunity of living in Jerusalem for four years or so, and I did a couple of master's degrees in the Holy Land and was able to do really cool things, like get windows into the past there, like, you know, get off the grid and go live in the desert with the Bedouins where there's no Jamba Juice or Wi-Fi. I mean, you're in the desert, man. I mean, no one can hear you scream out there. And, and you're able to kind of, the best as you can, kind of step into the sandals of what it would have been like for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, these tent-dwelling patriarchs going from place to place, slaughtering a sheep right before your eyes, the blood everywhere, and slicing it and dicing it and then eating it and just the whole thing. It's great. <laughs> We're so sanitized today. We have the bloodiest religion in the world. What are we talking about? We do. Without the, the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. It's the blood. You're saved by the blood. You know? But anyways, that's a different... Maybe for a men's meeting, Pastor, I can slaughter a lamb or something. No? Okay. We won't do that. I also met my wife there, too. It was great. She was from Minnesota, and I was from Illinois, and she was so excited to call her mom and dad and tell them she met a wonderful man in the Middle East, and... <gasps> They're like, oh, hold on. <laughs> you did what? <laughs> oh, no, no, he's okay. He's one of us. They didn't matter. They flew out immediately or like a month later and extreme vetted me like a TSA on steroids, you know, and everything is fine for grandkids and eight 
years later or whatever. But, but I really began to learn how to memorize there, to memorize there, even though I started before, because they still memorize in that part of the world. They really do. And I basically was able to boil down to three different ways to memorize. Number one is, let me explain each briefly, is to memorize by, by reading. Now let me explain. The keys are to, number one, to read aloud when you're trying to memorize a verse, to read aloud. We don't read aloud in the West. I mean, in the libraries, they tell all the kids to be quiet. Shh, you know. Um, in public, you can't be like, you know, it was a difficult time for the empire as the Millennium Falcon flew past the Death Star and Slave One was hot on its heels with Boba Fett. He's like, you can't do that. That's considered rude. Sorry, I should have done Star Trek. <laughs> I know. It's just rude to do that. We don't read aloud in our culture. But to be able to read aloud the one verse at a time, your mind, your eye, and your mouth and your ear, they're all working together in unison. Not only that, it's read it from that old Bible you have where you know where John 3.16 is on the page and you know where Jonah starts on the page or whatever. It's that power of format in that old Bible. All right? That's a huge help as well. And I can go on and on, but we don't have the time. Number two is memorization by hearing by hearing. Now, in the most literal sense, we don't hear the voice of God throughout the week. We just don't. You know, you might listen to good music or radio or programs or talk radio or whatever you listen to when you're driving, but we don't hear, you know, now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on him is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself and he's clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. Like we don't hear that. We just don't. But we should. We should. So when you're driving in the car and doing errands, turn off whatever and just listen to the word of God over and over and over again. Even if you can't memorize, at least listen to it because it washes you when you're driving. You're redeeming the time. And especially for the little ones, which you just saw up here. That's the best way for them to memorize is obviously is by hearing because some of them can't read or whatever, but still it's hearing. And so when they go to bed at night, just put on the iPhone or pad or CD or whatever you've got and just let scripture play. Trust me. Trust me. Don't play the Cinderella soundtrack anymore or the Aladdin soundtrack anymore or whatever you're listening to at night anymore. Just let them fall asleep to script. And if you want them to go to sleep fast, just put on First Chronicles. <laughs> okay? Adam, Seth, Enosh, Canaan, Mahalalil, Jared, Enoch, <laughs> Methuselah, Lamech, Noah! I know him. Third, finally, memorization by writing it out. By writing it out. Let me explain briefly. I need all the help I can get, like I told you, when I'm memorizing. But the best way for me to do it is when... I'm writing it out to say it when I write it so my mind and my eye and my hand and my mouth and my ear, they're all working together in unison. And you can't use any more members of your body than that to say it when you're writing it. Okay? Now, whether you write it, whether you read it, or whether you hear it, we'll be done in five minutes. You guys are doing great. The way to keep it, the way to keep it, because we all know if you don't use it, you, it's so true. You lose it. Gone is to review it. And this will bring us full circle. 
It reminds me of Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Joshua and the Israelites are just about to enter into Canaan. Canaan is a hard knocks neighborhood. It's tough. There's people there who do crazy things. You could just read the verses in the Bible. Okay, we're talking wow kind of behavior. And that's why God tells them not to do those kind of things in the Torah, because that's exactly what those people were doing. Okay? So he says, on the doorstep to enter in, this book of the law, the Bible, shall not depart out of your mouth. Or literally, the Bible should be on your lips and on your kids' lips. Right here, on the lips. Okay? Why? So you can meditate on it. What does meditate mean? Meditate means to chew. Literally, it means to chew, swallow, like an animal would do a bull, regurgitate it in your mouth, chew it more, draw out more strength, more energy, more vitamins, more energy, swallow it. Again, same thing. That's what the word literally means. So just like Ephesus was a hard neighborhood to grow up in with lots of trouble, the same thing was true of Canaan. Big trouble in River City there. And with 1 John, it was having the word of God abiding in you, helped you overcome the world. With Joshua, it's this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate, call it up, think upon it, chew upon it, put it back. Call upon it, think upon it, chew upon it, put it back. Day and night. And if you do that, he says, spiritually speaking, you're going to have spiritual success and you're going to have spiritual prosperity. You want that for yourself? Yes, that's why you're here today. You want it for your kids and for your grandkids? Right now, start. It's still January. You can still get away with a New Year's resolution, you know? Right now. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do one verse. You could do one verse a week if you want. It's so easy to do one verse a week. Just one verse a week. And stick with it. Do a chapter. Do the book of Titus or Jonah. You'll do one verse a week. You'll have either one of those books you're done by Christmas or Thanksgiving. And you watch what will happen. At first, it's going to be hard. Just like New Year's resolutions, and you want to drop 5, 10 pounds or whatever and work out, and it hurts, and you don't want to do it. But you're glad you did it two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks later. And it gets easier and easier as it goes on. It's the same thing with memorization. You're not going to want to do it at first. Your spirit is going to be willing, but your flesh is going to be weak. But just trust me. Give it a try. Two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. Your thinking's going to change. Your practice is going to change. It's going to renew your mind. It will help you set your affection, your mind, your heart, and your kids' hearts on things above and not on things of the earth. Amen? Amen. Look at that. Done right on time, Pastor. Now, before everyone exits stage left, two quick announcements. There's a table out there in the back, and on that table, we've got some goodies. These are verse by verse by verse by verse commentaries written by yours truly. Genesis, all through Genesis, all through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Proverbs, Daniel. A bunch of these are out there in the back. You can pick those up on the way out. Also, finally, like Pastor mentioned, there's a basket out there. Now, we're missionaries. We come here 100% by faith. We did not charge one red cent. And we need to be encouraged to, with that same energy that I just presented that, that same energy, that's the direction my brother went into darkness. That kind of energy. I want to use that same energy, that same power, and bring it into the light. And it takes money. It takes time. It takes hotels. It takes gas. It takes air. It takes so many things, as you know, for us to do what we do. And we can't do it by ourselves. 
I mean, we're doing good, but we want to do great, and we need your help. So if you were blessed by us, we pray that you would bless us in the basket on the way out. We do have two special things that we need help with, and if you think that God has put it on your heart to maybe help us, you could ask us what they are. Thank you so much for having us, and I hope I inspired you today. I'm going to have the worship team come on back up. We'll close with a song in just a minute. Uh, I would, again, just encourage you to, uh, to, to give if you have the means to do that um, and just support them as missionaries as they go out to, to encourage and inspire others like you and I to memorize Scripture. I hope you're, you've been encouraged by that. I hope that you understand there should be a priority on our hearts to let, let God's Word dwell in us richly, that we would hide His Word in our heart, that we may not sin against God. Uh, it is such a, an important thing. You know, whenever I'm doing counseling or I'm talking with folks, e- even just taking the pastor thing aside and setting it aside for a minute, just in my individual life in conversation, um, what is typically missing as the answer is the Word of God. And if, if we can just put that in our hearts, in our minds, and let it renew us and form our thoughts, it's amazing what it's going to do. So I would encourage you, it is the new year, I would encourage you to make a resolution to, to begin memorizing Scripture um, there's an app. I, I talked to Tom about this earlier. It's called Dwell, and you can, you can download it from the App Store, and I think that there, there's a monthly subscription fee to it, but it, it reads the Scripture to you, and I'm sure there's other ones out there that you can get. This one gives you different voices, you know, different speeds if you want to hear it quicker or slower. Um, it, it just, it's, it's a great way to listen to Scripture or let your kids listen to Scripture. Uh, that it's really important to read it out loud, write it down, uh, so we can commit it to memory. So a couple of the elders and I were talking after first service, like we really need to memorize Scripture and not just a, a verse, but, but chunks or books of the Bible so we can commit that to our heart, not just to memory, but to our heart. So I hope you